All right, welcome in everybody. It's Gerard here with Brent. How's it going, guys? Um, really excited to be back. Obviously, we had a COVID-filled 2020, um, which didn't allow Brent and I to get together to do the podcast. And yeah, there's Zoom and Google Meet and all this other stuff, but Brent and I aren't um, there's technically no sound. There's nothing like being right here, kind of face-to-face, eye-to-eye, so we can just kind of talk about this, talk about some dynasty um, we've been doing this now for a couple years, so um, Gerard has a few things that he wants to wants to say, update everybody on. Um, we're on a few new platforms, so Gerard, take it away. Yeah, so really excited to announce it won't just be on YouTube. Um, we're going to be on Anchor, which is a uh, podcast platform, as well as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So we're going to try to generalize the show a little bit more, um, obviously loop everything back to, to the home league, which is... The reason why we started the podcast, because we like talking about you guys. We like talking about the moves that we like, and we like insulting the moves that we didn't like. Uh, we're going to take about it more from like a generalized fantasy uh, perspective here. Yeah, we've been talking about this. We wanted to, the reason that we started this podcast was we like, we love Dynasty football. We love talking about the, the trades, the, the in-season activity, the off-season. We just kind of love all of that about it. And the main reason is it, it's fun. It's fun to play. It's fun to talk about. And so we're just going to do that in a, in a little bit more of a, um, in a formal kind of um, way with getting on Apple, getting on Anchor, getting on Spotify, kind of doing some of these things and trying to, to really kind of broaden um, – yeah, our views and our listens and, and trying to really get um, the, the thought about dynasty, dynasty football out there. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is we're going to talk more broadly about strategy and not necessarily just about like what the scores were in our league last week or who, think, who we think we're going to make the playoffs and who we think is going to not make the playoffs and, and stuff like that. So, so we got, we've been talking for you know a little bit already. Um, time just flies when you're talking dynasty about what this show is going to be about. So we're going to focus primarily on, um, a couple teams each week and we're going to talk, be talking about rebuilding right now. Um, I feel like the, there's about six teams in our league that I think we could section off two, two and two, um, who are in the same area. I guess I'll just give a preview of, of the weeks. But this week, we're going to talk about Ryan and Rob's team, both teams who are in the first year of a rebuild. Then we're going to talk about uh, Mike and I's team, um, who are kind of in the second year of a rebuild and looking to compete this upcoming season. And then we're going to talk about Jarrett and John's team, um, because I think that they've made some moves that kind of indicate that they want to start a rebuild. Um, and I, I, I personally... Having done it in this league, and Brett and I share another team in which we kind of tanked for Trevor this year um, in a super flex league, so we're pretty pretty excited about that. Um, but I personally have really loved the experience of the rebuild, really loved um, making just so many trades, getting guys one week, flipping them the next, and just being so active and involved in the draft. So I, I kind of wanted to break it down to a more fundamental level, and um, I know Brent's Besides the one rebuild that we have, Brent's always had a winner. 
So I'm not sure if he you, truly knows the strategy. But you've always been talking about the rebuild. You've always been talking about how you like to kind of tear your team down and, and rebuild it from um, kind of within, with doing, with doing trades, with um, kind of getting, acquiring draft picks. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about kind of how to build that, that dynasty roster and kind of get into that rebuild mode. Mm-hmm. Um, then we're going to obviously hit on the draft. I just wanted to kind of touch base. So also in this podcast, we're going to mostly kind of talk about the, um, um, the home league, but we've been doing that home league for five years now. We also have um, several other dynasty leagues where we play super flex, tight end premium leagues. Um, we do 12 team leagues, 10 team leagues. Um, we do one quarterback and two quarterback leagues. So we're going to kind of get into a variety of um, different strategies, like Gerard was saying, a lot of different kind of ways of going about and approaching rebuilds and drafting and just um, dynasty strategy in general to, to get you all some information. Yeah, but just really excited about um, about talking about the Herman Munster League is our home league here. Really excited to talk Herman Munster. It's been way too long. Um we had a weekend a couple um, couple weeks ago where we had six teams from the Herman Munster League all here at one time. It was nonstop dynasty talk for the majority of the evening. Um, that was just so wonderful. And just like we did before where we got people on, we, we made phone calls and um, kind of interviewed people about their teams. That's the plan moving forward. Um, trying to keep the episode short. I know we're probably running longer on this explanation, so this one might be a little bit longer, but we'll try to keep the episode shorter so that we're not taking up, you know, extended periods of times of anyone's day. Yeah, let's get into it. So we're, yeah. we're kind of talking the building, kind of a rebuild, um, kind of kind of tearing the team down, rebuilding. So kind of get into it, what, what you were thinking of as far as Ryan and Rob's team. I think first yeah. you wanted to go into Rob, um, to Ryan's team. Well, I think first I wanted to talk more generally about, like, what, what, is, what do you do when you go into a rebuild? And I think pretty much the first thing is you have to kind of swallow some pride here, and you just have to accept that your team is going to be in the gutter for a year or two while you're trying to build this thing back up. But for me personally, and the thing that I love about the rebuild is I would love to build a roster top to bottom. Sometimes, like, we're so close to our startup draft, which was five years ago, that the talent that was top end there has, def- has gotten older and more and more, and more ir- irrelevant. And, and I think that we can kind of point to, to Ryan's team, who um, pretty much jumped on the back of someone like Matt Ryan and someone like Greg Olson um and Michael Thomas of course who's his like his big guy um and really rode that to success he made a couple trades and ended up he had Aaron Jones as well had a couple trades and he ended up winning a championship back in 2019 well 2020 was not as friendly to Ryan as he got bit with the injury bug with Michael Thomas a lot of his older players stopped performing at the level he did and and I think just in general when you when you miss on some draft picks, 2019, really easy to miss in 2019. Um, he picked Rashad Penny in 2018. I think it was somewhere mid to late first round. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was at the four or five hole in 2018. And then selecting Paris Campbell, who has, has yet to, to kind of fire. Yeah, um, even of, though has the injury bugs. there is definitely a chance that he he does. He's shown pretty promisingly, but he just can't he can't maintain and stay healthy. Uh, so I'm interested to see what he would do, but I just felt like 
you know, Ryan's team kind of fell off a cliff here. So when he's going into next season, he's got guys like Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper and Michael Thomas and, and Latavius Murray. And so when he's struggling last year, I, th- I think at that point he goes, I, I got to do something here. So he makes a couple moves in the offseason, a couple of which I really like, or during the season, a couple of which I really like. He moves on from Aaron Jones, and he gets and he gives up Aaron Jones and what ends up being the three one. He gets Carryon Johnson, who, you know, there was a chance last year. I don't know if there's a chance this year. Um, he signed with Philadelphia, but I I see him as maybe a goal line back. But his knees knees has kind of um, yeah given way, and I I don't think there's much left in in the tank for Carryon. Yeah. So we'll see about him. But he picks up the 1-6 in this year's draft. He gets another first next year in 2022. And he gets a second in 2022. He also trades Ben Roethlisberger for the 3-5, which ends up being the 3-5. Which, again, just like when I talk about a rebuild, I'm not coming out of a rebuild just wanting a starting lineup. I want depth. I want a bench. um, Because you're going to need those wide receiver twos, wide receiver threes, wide receiver fours that are going to fill you out during bye weeks and um, if people get injured and, and keep your team competitive. So third round pick, kind of a dart throw. But in our leagues, we've seen Terry McLaurin go. Um, we've seen Deontay Johnson go early third in 2019. Terry McLaurin was late third or early fourth in 2019. DJ Shark was an early third. Um, you can get a lot of good tight end depth. There's a, there's a lot of talent still typically in, in that third round. Mm-hmm. So, he, so he makes those, those two big moves. Um, and then Rob, who's in a much different situation than Ryan. Rob has missed the playoffs for the last two years. I believe he had the three pick in both of the last two drafts. Really, like, trying to compete but just not having the depth. I mean, he, tra- he, sorry, he trades DK Metcalf. He trades, um, he trades Derrick Henry as well. He trades... TJ Hawkinson before last season, which we're not going to get into that trade because that will just be traumatic for him, and we want him to continue to listen and not to feel like we're we're really. I want to make sure here. that yeah we're not piling on 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 Rob's team, but so the Hawkinson deal was before last season, um, but like you said, the Metcalf deal is kind of what one thing that I wanted to talk about. We um, and I don't know if you want to get into that now or if you want to get into yeah. that kind of as we go through the draft, but yeah, I, I so I think the main thing is like when you realize that you need to be a a a, re, uh, a rebuild team, you need to just realize you're not gonna you're not gonna compete. So then, what's the first step? You got to know when to gain assets and how to gain assets. And Rob's team, for the most part, is pretty devoid of talent. Um, we mentioned the Hawkinson trade. Just so people know what it was, it was a 2022 first and a 2022 fourth. This trade went down a week after Brent traded me a 21 first and a 21 third for Zach Ertz. So we all know that Zach Ertz and TJ Hawkinson are on, or most of us know that Zach Ertz and TJ Hawkinson at the beginning of last year are on completely different planes. Um, so and, I was and shocked. Into completely different ways this yes. year. <laughs> I was shocked when we made that trade for Ertz to see that Hawkinson got sold for less than what Ertz did um, so late in Ertz's career. So anyway, so he makes that trade, and then really he has Hawkinson and Derrick Henry, or, uh, Met, sorry, Metcalf and Derrick Henry as his two stars. After that, he's got Tyler Boyd. He makes a move for Miles Gaskin mid-year, um, which, you know, in a rebuild, I don't know if I give up a second and a fourth for Miles Gaskin, mm-hmm. but 
Um, I, he wasn't necessarily rebuilding at that part of the year. Um, so I guess the, the big question comes like when you're gaining assets, you have to look at your team and decide who do I move and who don't I move? And I think we have two really good examples here with Rob and Ryan about who each player decided to move. Yeah. I mean, Ryan moves Aaron Jones for a haul and I think moving a running back, we know that they're kind of like, they got a short shelf life. Aaron Jones is coming off back-to-back, like running back three seasons. Yeah, but entering his, his year 26, we start, and he's also got that second contract. We didn't know it at the time, but we knew he was either going into free agency or going to re-sign with the Packers. So he ended up re-signing with the Packers. But at the time when Ryan made that pick, I mean, it, it looks like, okay, we have an aging running back. He's not going to do much good on on a team who's looking to rebuild at the time. So why don't we go ahead and move them? And the same uh, same could be said with Derrick Henry too. Yeah. I mean, an older running back and mm. in, in running back years. But I think that move for for Aaron Jones kind of said, "Hey, I'm I'm starting this rebuild. I know what I have here. I wanna I wanna make sure that." Um, I'm focusing on the future, and I know I'm probably going to be around that one, 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 two pick, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to start getting depth for the for the future and, yeah. and and those assets that you talk about acquiring. And I kind of mentioned it earlier about how Ryan, how Ryan has was like leaning on somebody like Michael Thomas. He's got Jarvis Landry on his team, so it begs the question of like which assets do you want to move? And I think a depreciating asset like Aaron Jones or of if you follow the trends, he would be depreciating. It's better mm-hmm. to get out while he's high than while his value is nothing. So to be able to pull back two firsts, a second, um, and we're not even going to talk about Carryon Johnson again. Um, but to be able to pull back two firsts and a second, I feel like just shows that like that was a good move for him. Now he's gaining assets. Now he has the ability to either be aggressive in the draft, but he's he's active in the draft, and and I love nothing more than being active in the draft. Um, and then, and then um, you know, you look over at Rob's roster, and outside of DK Metcalf and Derrick Henry, he doesn't really have that top-end talent. So in his case, his rebuild, he's got to actually sell his top-end talent to be able to gain assets to be able to start this rebuild. So it's just kind of like interesting, like Rob's rebuild could probably be like a two-draft like two rebuild, Whereas Ryan's rebuild might be like this draft, and he does have a lot of assets next year. So maybe it's like Rob's like a three-year rebuild and Ryan's like a two-year rebuild because he has some talent. But you kind of you, you kind of look at it that way, but I, I look at it as Rob has kind of been in that like bottom tier for the last couple of years. So I feel like he's been in the rebuilding process. So where I get a little bit confused is he, he drafted DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf then becomes a a top three or four wide receiver in Dynasty. I understand that you're saying that you have to maybe sell top end talent to to start that rebuild, but I thought that's what he was already doing. I thought he was already starting that rebuild when he got DK Metcalf and having that top talent. I figured that was something that he can build around. That's fair. That's fair. I, I also I would say that I think that Rob's initial attempt at a rebuild was failed. And it's actually an attempt at maintaining like competitiveness mm-hmm. because instead of instead of selling and having a lot of draft picks, he just picked it like one three 
and then two three or four, three three. You know, he he wasn't scattered around the first round like he was this year. And we'll yeah. we'll get into his draft in a minute. We'll get into Ryan's draft in a minute. But like he wasn't as committed to the rebuild as he was now. You know, he went out and he bought Derrick Henry for um <coughs> excuse me. Um I think he gave up his first round pick, his early first round pick mm-hmm. next last year to to buy Derrick Henry for Mike. Like that's a move that Rob wasn't his team was not in a position to handle that move because one, when his team is built around Derrick Henry, he's he's Derrick Henry's not going to be relevant anymore. And two, um, he doesn't have like the skill to fill out a starting lineup, let alone you know like give up a couple draft picks, especially a high draft pick for just one guy. Yeah, and I think and just to kind of piggyback off of what you said, I think that's a really good point. Is when he when you're thinking about rebuilding, I wouldn't go with the the initial rebuild to to get a again Derrick Henry at that age. I mean, he might have been 25, 26. I can't remember exactly when he when he got him, but even at that time, you're looking at a rebuild. You're not a top tier talent yet. So I would have bought Derrick Henry if I was looking to make that ascension. If I was kind of looking at that rebuild, I wouldn't have given up a, a first round draft pick for a running back that's that's getting into that 25, 26 year old um, um, season. Yeah, and I think that when we talked to, um, next episode about Mike and I's team, that's the time when you want to make that move. Mm-hmm. Because when you have, when you feel like you've spent two drafts really focusing on getting rookie and good top end talent on your team, and you still have some assets, that's when you can start to make moves for guys like Derrick Henry, who might depreciate in two or so years. But at least you're, um, at least you're you're making a push in that two or three years mm-hmm. before they depreciate. Like I don't, I mean, I, who knows what Derrick Henry is going to do this year? If he's going to repeat what he did before or last year and the year before that. But if he does, and he was still on Rob's roster, Rob's still going to be picking third. So that that trade at that time doesn't really make sense for where he is where his team is. And I think that um, that's like something that we, why we identified him as our rebuild team, because I think that if I was going to put odds out, he might be even money or less than even money to own the one, one pick next year. Yeah. So I don't know if you actually said it or not yet, but um, Rob then went off and, and sold Derrick Henry um, for Darrell Henderson, so uh, an up-and-coming running back. Obviously, um, he has Cam Akers in front of him now, but still somebody who could get into the mix and, and could be um, a league winner if, if something happens to Cam Akers or, or, or whatever. And then he got the, the 1-8 um, yeah. this year. What ended up being the 1-8. What ended up being the 1-8 this year in the, in the 2021 mm-hmm. um, draft. So, and, and Will Fuller. Yep. And Will Fuller was really good until we all realized he was cheating. Um, yeah, the PEDs came in and bit him in the butt at the at the end of the season, but he put up a one hell of a season that that year. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so so I think we started this conversation by saying, who are we going to build around, and you know who do you build around, and and who do you sell off? And I think it really depends on what your roster looks like. If the only ta- really talent that you have on your roster is like in Rob's case, 
DK Metcalf, Tyler Boyd, and Aaron and um not Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, then I would sell those three guys and just scrap it and start fresh. Whereas Ryan has the ability to um, keep a guy like Michael Thomas. Um, he got he picked Justin Herbert last year, kind of later in the draft. So he's got the quarterback position set. He's got wide receiver one set, um, and he can look to replenish the running back that he just sold in the season when he gets to the draft. Yep. So I think that like yeah, it just kind of expedites his rebuild process. Um, but I think the other part of it is is knowing, knowing what the values are, um, and how long people, knowing what the values are, knowing when to sell, knowing like he's selling Aaron Jones when Aaron Jones is RB three on the year, he's getting the biggest haul he can. He didn't sell Aaron Jones in the off season when he was unsure if he was going to be in Green Bay or if he was going to be in Miami or the Jets or where all the places that they said that he was going to sign. He sold him at the right time to get the biggest response, biggest um return and you were willing to pay that return because you're mid-season you're a championship caliber team and you want to walk away with the title so you're willing to give up a couple firsts and a player um who shall not be named again um to try to make that push and ryan as the rebuild team should be happy to take in those firsts and try to start to put his team back together yeah and that's and when we're talking about rob it kind of that's why the dk metcalf trade um, and I don't know if we've mentioned that or not yet, but the DK Metcalf trade, when he moved him, I don't, I agree with it in principle. I agree that, Hey, you have a, you have an asset. If we can't build around him, if we're not at that level of building around, then ship him off for the, for the b- biggest return. I think dynasty football is really about knowing when to, when to buy, when to sell, when a guy is at its peak value and um, then on the return on investment is going to be really high. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're looking at a player and yeah, you're buying Derrick Henry kind of when you're still kind of at the bottom tier, you're you're, you're going to end up having to sell him or just kind of ride it out. Um, but so DK Metcalf, he ended up having on his roster, he felt like, okay, I'm going to get the best deal for him. And you can say what that was. I think it was a it was two first, two first, so a first a and twenty one, and then a first and twenty two. Yeah, I felt like yeah, DK that's Met- all it was. Yeah, so DK Metcalf is like I said before, is probably a top four wide receiver. He's young. Um, he kind of came out of nowhere, but still, he was drafted in the in our rookie draft at one four. Rob took him at one four, so he saw the. Um, yeah, the um, the, the promise and the yeah. potential that he had. So, but so he he traded him and traded him to to Mike. But he traded him for a twenty twenty one first and a twenty twenty two first and mm-hmm. a, and a second. And I just no, feel no like, second, no second, just the two first, just the two first. Yeah. So and I feel like that kind of talent, you're going to be able to get more for that if you shop that yeah. um, around the league. Yeah, it's like, why not Why not go to you? Why not go to Tyler? Why not go to other people and say, hey, Metcalf is on the block? Or why not just put it in the group and say, Metcalf is on the block and see what what um, offers you get coming back to you? Because I agree. I like, I like the move, like you said, in principle. I don't like the return. I think Mike has the four and five. Rob should have pushed to get the four and five this year. If he couldn't get the four and five, he should have at least gotten an extra second this year mm-hmm. or next year, um, or potentially a player. Um, 
And I know we were talking about this off air, but DK Metcalf is one of those players. He, I mean, he, he is rising. We don't know what he's going to be. He could, he could have reached his potential. I mean, there, there was talk before the draft and everything and his workouts. I mean, he was an absolute beast, but he, he had some, I mean, it wasn't character issues, but it was more about the, the cone drill and um, would he be just, able to... Not really a great route runner. Yeah, would he be a good college. route runner and could he could he run, yeah, multiple routes? And, I mean, he's obviously proved that he can he can do a lot of a lot of things on the field and he's just an absolute um, freak of an athlete as far as separating from talent and his kind of top-end speed and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've chosen that, hey, no, I, I would say that there's no player that is either somebody that I can't that I don't want to buy at all or there's somebody that I can't sell at all like there's always something that a deal that can be done in in fantasy football but for the right price and I think that's what we're saying here is is know when to sell know what the player's value and sell at its highest peak and get a good return on that investment Mm -hmm. and I think the other thing is like, and we can talk about it when we get into, like, the year two, because I did this a lot, is don't be afraid to trade for someone that you're going to flip for something else. Like, last off, or two off-seasons ago, I traded for both Chris Carson and Tyler Lockett. And this off-season, neither of them were on my roster. Because I just used them to get more draft capital in this year's draft or in future drafts just to try to, you know, to, to make myself better, to make myself more competitive. And knowing that... You know, Tyler Lockett is one of these boomer bust kind of guys. At least last year he was. And Chris Carson is an undrafted running back who's frequently hurt, who puts up big numbers, but who knows when his time is up mm-hmm. in Seattle. And last year when the fumbling issue kind of started, or maybe that was two years ago, I was kind of concerned that, like like you said, sell while they're high. I felt like Chris Carson was high last year. I, I took that advantage to sell him. I think he was higher last year, potentially higher last year than he is right now. Maybe equal value. Maybe if he has a couple of good weeks, who knows? Maybe I should have held him. But that's the risk you take. Yeah, and again, kind of knowing when to sell. But you identified that as, hey, I'm going to get, I'm going to get extra draft capital. This is an aging running back. I don't know how valuable he's going to be to me when I get to the place that I want to be. When I'm starting to compete for the championship, I don't know how valuable Chris Carson's going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a good time to transition because we're talking a little bit about like how long people are relevant and how long um, how long it may take them to develop. So if we get into the draft, Ryan has the 1-1, he takes Najee Harris, Rob trades up to the 1-2, takes Kyle Pitts, he has the 1-4 from the DK Metcalf trade, picks Jamar Chase, and the 1-8 and takes Trevor Lawrence. Now, when we talk about longevity, we talk about time to develop, tight ends frequently about a three-year development period um, but Kyle Pitts is a freak, so maybe he'll be better before then. But the question is, like, the question that everyone's asking, if you can get Travis Kelsey in his rookie year, what would you pay in a rookie draft now, knowing that you would have this career in front of you? Yep. I would probably pay the one, too, because you would have so many years of just dominant performance. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. If Kyle Pitts is that, and I just don't know. I mean, we can we can do the projections. We can kind of hear from the um, the researchers. We can watch the tape. We can um, we can hear the analytics. I mean, he just blew everybody away. He, I mean, he's an absolute force on the field at tight end. And now with the Julio Jones trade, obviously Atlanta is going to use him. They're going to feed him targets. But knowing what we knew a couple weeks ago. 
I feel like, and, and we can kind of look in and, and analyze this pick, but I feel like if you're building a team at one, two, I just don't see how you can go tight end. We've seen too many. I mean, even TJ Hawkinson's no offense, but, and those are, are really good tight ends. They're not top five tight ends in the league right now. I mean, Hawkinson might be a, a yeah. three or four right now. He's mm-hmm. kind of on that, but we've also seen Eric Ebron's. We've also seen, um, I'm trying to even think who who who. Well, like who wasn't was Evan Ingram, OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, OJ Howard, David and Joku. We've seen these these dominant athletes, these athletic um, tight ends, who come into the league and they just are supposed to set the set the world on fire and. Either they fail to hit or they don't live up to expectations or they, they're productive, but then either injuries derail them or, or something happens. Again, Kyle Pitts could be the next great thing at tight end. I'm yeah. not denying that. But I think when you look at one, two, and all the needs that you have, I think you either try to trade back and get multiple picks or you take a, a running back or a, or a wide receiver at that position. So... I think I kind of disagree with you. I, I disagree with you only on the point of the longevity of of the position. And Kyle Pitts is not your average Eric Ebron. He's not your Evan Ingram. Um, he's not even what George Kittle and, and Travis Kelsey were when they came out. Kyle Pitts is, to all the analysts' eyes, a, the, the best tight end that they've ever seen. So... I think taking a risk, I guess, I mean, obviously it's a risk, but taking a chance on Kyle Pitts in this draft, I think sets up his rebuild. If Kyle Pitts hits, sets up his rebuild to be more of that dynasty contender moving forward. Because like I said, if you could get Travis Kelsey in his rookie year, what would you pay for him knowing what his career Mm -hmm. production is? If he is Kyle Pitts and Kyle Pitts overtakes Kelsey and Kittle and Waller as the top tight and Hawkinson as the top tight end, and he is the tight end one in Dynasty for let's say five of the next sure. eight years, that pit pick to me is is great value mm-hmm. because in every matchup Rob's going to be beating whoever the other person is who has a tight end. Not only that, not only that, he's able to turn around and get the top receiver at one four. So he gets Jamar Chase at one four, um, so which kind of backs he he now has like this two headed monster of if Jamar Chase is what DK Metcalf is, you know if he's better than DK Metcalf now he's got Jamar Chase for you know eight to ten years seven to ten years and he's got Kyle Pitts in that same that same time frame, and we all know like takes tight ends like I said three years to develop. Usually, like, year two, year three is when wide receivers come along, and you know that you can pick and, and play right running backs right away. So I don't mind in a team that, I've said this before, is it's so devoid of talent, going and getting two positions at the front end of the draft where the talent is really high that you're going to set them and forget them for years to come. Yeah, and and I look at it, and if if – the draft would have went a little bit differently. I think um, I would have been a little bit more 
against this pick, but because he got Jamar Chase at number four, Jamar Chase was actually my 1-1. I think I would have taken Jamar Chase before, and that's tough because I think you always go running back um, heavy um, as, a, as a rookie. Um, in the rookie draft, you look at your running backs because of the shelf life. Mm-hmm. But in this draft, I just saw Jamar Chase as that, that top-level talent, and I think people see Kyle Pitts as that. So in, in that regard... Um, I think he made a, a smart move. I, I would never say anything about taking Kyle Pitts number two in a, in a super flex tight end premium um, when, they're, when you're getting a little bit more value for that tight end spot. But because the tight end position, I mean, it's not, it doesn't have complete depth. Like there's not significant depth with the tight end position. But I think you can find, uh, again, you're not going to win every battle, but I also think that you're going to compete more if you even have a top 12 tight end and then you and you have a really good receivers really good running back core a good quarterback like you know in a one qb league um, non-tight end premium i just think again that that the the tight end position is is valuable but not it i don't think it uh, sends you over the top yeah but i but i do think like okay so uh, Najee harris goes first in this draft and he's sitting at one two Let's say he likes ETN. Let's say he likes Javante Williams. Either way, his team next year, like this upcoming season, his team, even the year after that, is probably, like next year, definitely not. Like I said, I think he's the favorite for the 1-1. The year after that, I think he's probably flirting with like the 8-9 spot. But that's all if he has a really good draft. So I kind of see it in the way of like, why would you take a position that has such a short shelf life? Especially if, like you said, Jamar Chase is your 1-1. Clearly, he loves Kyle Pitts better than those other running backs. Mm-hmm. Um, why not go get your guys that you know are top-end talent at that position, and when you're ready to start competing, that's when you plug away. Like, he's got three firsts next year. That's when you can plug away at running backs. If, this, if he... Um, kind of continues his rebuild and is able to get like 23 firsts as well, um, he can pl- he can pick running backs there. And that's how he's going to build his team is he's going to keep getting these – he's got, like I said, three firsts next year. He's got – if he can get a couple um, picks in 23, which is supposed to be a really strong class, especially at the running back position, he can get a couple of these guys that burst onto the scene and he can make a real jump with a real roster instead yeah. of picking a guy like – Travis Etienne or Javante Williams, which they might be good. They might be fine. They might be running back twos. They might start on their team. But in 2024, are they still those guys? And are they kind of going into their second year now trending in the wrong direction when he is trying to be trending in the mm-hmm. right direction? That's where I really like the pick. And we can even hit on the, the Trevor Lawrence pick at 1-8 because, yeah, I mean, he could have he could have picked Bateman there, could have picked Elijah Moore there. Um, yeah, got could have more picked depth Michael, at the, yeah, could have picked Michael Carter. I'm trying to think who else. And we also have to look back at who his, his quarterbacks are. So he has Derek Carr. Um, he has Tannehill. And he has Ryan Tannehill, who is looking a lot better in a 1QB league right now, um, getting Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. So I do agree it's not it's not the best pick. But I go back to what I said about Pitts and what mm-hmm. I said about Chase and what we were trying to talk about before, if you can get Andrew Luck, if you can get Peyton Manning in your rookie draft and just have that position set 
for years to come. We all know how long quarterbacks can be effective. Like, <clears throat> I'm, I would be hoping, and we have Trevor Lawrence, so mm-hmm. I'm hoping that Trevor Lawrence will be good this year. But if he's not great this year, I'm hoping by year two, year three, he's throwing for 40 touchdowns or more. He's throwing for a bunch of yards. He's getting a couple extra rushing touchdowns. He's going to be in that like top tier, like sure. Mahomes-level quarterback where you know that you can put him out there and you're walking away with 30 points. Yeah, But one would argue, and of course, if you're having Patrick Mahomes, it's hard to argue against that. But one would argue that in a 1QB league and you already have two competent quarterbacks who are going to put up 20 to 25 points a week, you think. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. you have down weeks. Why not solidify that that depth at either running back or wide receiver? And I hate to do revisionist history, but like that's a, that's a piece of dynasty. So let's just kind of think about it. So if he has Ryan Tannehill, um, if he doesn't make these trades that we're talking about, if he has Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, Miles Gaskin, DK Metcalf, if he would have taken uh, Jamar Chase at number two, he would have kept TJ Hawkinson. So that right there is how you build a contender. I mean, that lineup right there, I feel like could could do some, could really compete for, for a championship. Obviously, yeah. you have to get depth behind that. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what I'm looking at is, is yes, he has... Um, he has building blocks now, and he is doing the right thing. He he had several picks this year. He moved around a little bit. He um, he solidified some of those positions. But I kind of look back at like what could have been. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that you're you're fair by saying that those like the the picks that you had just pushed you know put forward with us. That's a solid lineup. That's one that definitely in our league would be a playoff team. Yeah. Um, but the question is, and we will discuss this in a later, um, in a later episode, is is that roster good enough to win now? And if it's not, what's what's your what's your best play from there? And your best play, instead of being you know fifth, sixth, seventh every year, is just blowing it up and try to get yourself to the top. And that's kind of, and I mean, obviously that's where he is right now. And I think like yeah, like there could have been a lot of other moves. We're we were all new to it five years ago. You know, you jumped on the Dynasty Nerds bandwagon. I jumped on a little bit later than that. Uh, Malf's on it. Now Mike's on You know, like everyone's kind of catching on, to like listening to, listening to Dynasty podcasts, really like understanding the strategy of it now. But I think coming in, people weren't seeing the long-term value oh, and, and putting themselves in the position they are now. Um you want to talk a little bit about Ryan Strauss? So I, I feel like we I feel like we've kind of pushed pushed Rob's team to the to the forefront. Let's talk yeah. a little bit about Ryan. So we mentioned obviously Najee Harris. Yeah. He I mean he got that running back. We talked about um, giving up Aaron Jones in the season last year. He's he's basically replenishing Aaron Jones with a with a younger um, version, I guess. I mean yeah. somebody who can catch the ball out of the backfield, somebody who's gonna put up yards on the ground, coming mm-hmm. into a really nice situation if Pittsburgh can fit, figure out that offensive line and possibly a nice situation. Sure. I, I think just with the the possibility of, of giving that many touches, I think he's gonna produce early mm-hmm. on at least. Well and there's enough talent on that team where like teams aren't gonna be loading the box um, just to stop Najee Harris because you have Juju and you have Claypool and you have Deontay Johnson on the outside. 
Um, obviously, there's a question about like what Big Ben can do, but this offense threw the ball more. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it was more than any offense, but it was in the top five of pass attempts last sure. year. They've really said that they want to make an effort to get back to the run game. They picked Najee Harris in the first round. They picked Pat Fryermuth in the second round, um, which ironically Ryan did both of those things as well. Um, but you know, it looks like they're trying to get back. Like Pat Fryermuth is is a blocking, like a really you know we talk about Kyle Pitts being so such a freak athlete. Pat Fryermuth is the tight end. We've all grown up knowing somebody who can block, somebody who's solid re- receiving wise, but not somebody who's like Kyle Pitts and gonna gonna you know. Yeah, and the analyst. Yeah, the analyst kind of talked about Pat Fryermuth as um, if Kyle Pitts wasn't in this draft, he would be the guy that we were talking about. He's mm-hmm. that kind of like you were saying, kind of that mold of like he's a blocking tight end. He can do. He can receive the ball. So yeah. he's yeah, so he's, he's got good size, good hands. I mean, I, I would compare him to someone like Cole Komet, who yep. last year was I think a second round pick or late second, maybe early third in our league. Um, just someone who's a solid tight end, someone who's a blocker. They pick up a couple of linemen later in the draft. And, yeah, I mean, they, they hope to change their their philosophy offensively to get Najee Harris the ball, um, to run the ball more, to slow the game down, to take the pressure off Big Ben. That could be a really yeah. um, a really good offense to be a part of. And, you, I mean, we've seen it happen. I mean, obviously, Le'Veon Bell has had great success in that Pittsburgh offense. Um, it looked a little bit different then. Um, James Conner, I mean, besides the injuries and, and that sort of thing, he's had a lot – he had a lot of success yeah. um, kind of running and receiving behind that line. Mm-hmm. And then and then we talked about how Ryan gets the extra first-round pick. He trades that first-round pick with me. Um, I mean, obviously, I like the deal for me. Um, at a different point, at the so one you six. had the one six. So I I then ended up getting the one six. So you got the one six the, from Ryan. So Ryan had the one six at the time. So he could have taken Devonta um, Smith. Don, Devonta Smith was there. Wallet. There was several receivers. Um, the top three. No, Etn was was still no, there. Model. No, Etn went at five. Etn did go at five. It was it was Harris, Pitts, Williams, Chase, Etn. So he had Devonta Smith. He had Jalen Waddle. Um, obviously Lawrence, Bateman, Elijah Moore. Sure. Pretty much is the people he would be looking at. Yeah, so again, he could have solidified that um, that wide receiver depth for his team. But again, kind of thinking about that rebuild, if we're looking at two to three years, um, mm-hmm. I think, and yeah, he picks moving. Up, he picks up, up two seconds this year, uh, the 2-4 and the 2-12, and a first next year, um, which I feel like, I mean, granted, he's moving back, you know, pretty much around 10 picks to get to the 2-4, but I feel like that's kind of a haul for a first-round pick when you get two seconds in that year's draft and a first next year. I had five seconds, so I was willing to throw him around a little bit. Um, and and may, if I was him, if I was on his side of the deal, I had also had four firsts, so I would have asked for one of my firsts or asked for a couple earlier seconds than the 2-4 and the 2-12, but... But I think that it's a good trade for him because now he sits on four firsts next year. Um, and we just saw it earlier, three seconds as well. So yep. he's he's got a lot of draft capital. And in 2022, I think he kind of can be like me this year where he can take his guys or he can trade his picks and get some of these like younger, proven guys where um, he doesn't have to take that much of a risk. Yeah, but, and we talked about it again. Like, I mean, he has the the capital now. I mean, he has some aging receivers, especially Michael Thomas. If he wants to 
kind of um, capitalize on on that kind of peak value, he can look at Michael Thomas and and look to look to trade him. Yeah, Michael um, Thomas, a guy like Jarvis Landry, yep. um, and just try to get as much value for these guys as he can. Try to get a little bit younger, um, even if he's like I said, trade for somebody and then trade that person. But I mean, you never know. You never know who's going to be willing to trade, especially in this league. If you ask the right people, they'll give you yep. they'll give you the farm. And Brent can tell you from experience. But then he so he picks Najee Harris in the first round. He doesn't have another pick the rest of the first round, but he gets Terrace Marshall in the beginning of the second round at two one. Solid pick. Robbie Anderson's on the last year of his contract. They just lost Curtis Samuel. Um, a lot of opportunity for him to w- walk in this year and next year, kind of move into that second role. Uh, that second receiver spot in the in the Carolina Panthers, and he worked with uh, Joe Brady at LSU, and obviously kind of a big bodied receiver, somebody com- who can play in the slot. I think he's going to um, beat out. Um, I think it's David Moore who's who's in that position right now, coming yeah. over from Seattle. So I think he's going to get on the field early um, in some wide receiver, um, three wide receiver sets, and I think eventually, like you said, Robbie Anderson is on a contract year. Um, he might not re-sign with the team, so that might be looking at DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall as their top two. Yeah, and unlike a lot of the receivers in this draft, Terrace Marshall is actually built like an X receiver. A lot of small guys in this draft, a lot of slot kind of guys in this draft. So this is definitely one of those prototypical X receivers who could get out there, go up and make a play downfield. Also, he's you know he can work the middle of the field as well. Um, but speaking of small receivers, at, at 2-4, Ryan ends up going with Kadarius Toney. Um, a little bit of a project there. Um, he passed up on Rondale Moore. How do you feel like? How do you feel about him passing up on mm. Rondale Moore for Kadarius Toney? So both of those guys, I feel like, have um, a lot of potential. So Rondale Moore was he? He drafted. He was drafted in the second round. Two five. I think what's going to really be um, key for Kadarius Tony is that he was drafted at that that twenty spot um, in the first round. So the Giants obviously traded back. Gettleman kind of um, did something that he's never done in the draft before and traded back. Um, and actually a good move for the Giants. Oh, but, I love the move. Can yeah. First next year. Yeah. Love so him. a really good move for the Giants, but. They zeroed in on on a receiver, and and that's the one that they took. So, again, I think because of the draft capital, I would prefer Kadarius Toney at that position. Um, But I think Rondell Moore is going to be, like, kind of – he's in an offense that – kind of that air raid attack. If they use him correctly, I think he could be something special. But Arizona has not figured out, like, Cliff Kingsbury. I wonder if he's kind of a – I don't know if he's an imposter at the head coaching position or what, but he just kind of has this, I don't know. Obviously they have DeAndre Hopkins, who's just an absolute uh, force to be reckoned with at the, at the wide receiver position. But besides that, they really haven't developed too many. I mean, they have Christian Kirk, who hasn't really developed. They mm-hmm. have Andy Isabella, who hasn't developed. Um, Hakeem Butler was, was selected in the fourth round yeah. a couple years ago. Keyshawn Johnson. Keyshawn Johnson. And it just seems like time after time they can't figure out who's going to be their number two wide receiver. They have to trade for them, obviously bringing A.J. Green in as yeah. well. Um, so we'll see what, what he has left. But So I think Rondell Moore is going to develop a, um, a little bit of um, a role there. But I think you play over Andy Etzbella. Can he play over Christian Kirk? Like, Can he get on the field enough to yeah. – and obviously, well, and can he stay healthy? Because he yeah. did have a lot of issues with injuries and 
in college. I think it go it kind of goes both ways. Like it, on one side of the coin, you have Kadarius Tony, who's kind of like raw, needs a little bit of work with his hands, needs a little bit of work with his route running, and then on the other side of the coin, you have. Rondell Moore, who just completely dominated as a freshman, but hasn't really been healthy enough to to show that he's dominant still since his freshman year. Yeah. So I mean, there's risk and there's reward in both of these picks. I think Tony, um, you know, the Giants, Sterling Shepard's kind of getting up there. I think Tony could be a really good slot option. He also could be like a gimmick play guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the same thing for Rondell Moore. I mean, someone that's. Five six and what like one hundred and eighty pounds or something pounds, like yeah. that. Um, I mean, you just don't see that succeed. At the, I think Tavon Austin was the was the last receiver at that size, that height, um, drafted, and we and we know what he. I don't know if he was the last one drafted, but but we know what he was about. Like it was it was all that speed, but he just couldn't figure it out. And they tried to use him in different gadget plays and everything. And yeah. Just, um, it wasn't effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like he could be a good punt returner. It's just yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, and then he picks Pat Fryermuth at two twelve, um, which at the time when he had Darren Waller, it didn't look, and Austin Hooper, it it kind of looked like overkill. But then after the draft, Ryan moves Darren Waller um, for. We just did it. A first, two seconds, and Curtis Samuel. And Curtis Samuel, which. And if, I, mean, I love that move. For and that. if you're thinking about it, kind of, um, especially kind of capitalizing on on value, not knowing when to sell, he um, he traded with you in the 2019 season, correct, for correct. Darren Waller to win himself a championship, and he paid a, a, a round two and a round four pick. Yeah. So if you think about kind of what he paid for Darren Waller and now what he can he can sell, I mean that's absolutely what what you do when you're trying yeah. to rebuild. Is yeah. You're you're selling at the the highest value. Mm-hmm. Insane return on investment. So yeah, so then he he not only like gets a guy like Pat Fryermuth, he's got Austin Hooper. So like maybe this year he doesn't compete, but we've mentioned it before. Four first next year, three first the year or three seconds, and then we he's got all the he's got all kind of the he can see where he is this year. He can see if uh Canarius Tony hits, he can see what Najee Harris is, he can see if Curtis Samuel fits in well in Washington, what Michael Thomas comes back to be, and make his decisions at that point about whether these are guys he's going to build around or whether these are guys where he's going to move. Yep. And if he decides to move these guys, then he just kind of like, he might extend the rebuild another year, but he's got Herbert, who we know is going to still be there because um, quarterbacks have that long shelf life. And then he's got, like I said, four picks in 2022 to find a running back. And if he's in the 2023 draft, um, again, strong draft, strong running back class. Um, really good chance he could find his starting running backs from there as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that both <clears throat> both Rob and Ryan are set up are set up where they have multiple first round picks next year. Ryan again, multiple second round picks. Um, see where they are this year and decide how quickly they want to move this rebuild. Yeah, and that's I mean, and that's kind of what we we started with, kind of talking about is is doing the rebuild. How do we go about it? Kind of get our thoughts on it, kind of go over the draft. But it it's just really interesting to kind of see different teams where they're at. And obviously, we'll be kind of talking next week a little bit about kind of a different stage in the rebuilding process. But it's just it's really cool to kind of talk about like how you kind of go from that rebuild to eventually um, competing for for the championship. Yeah. So I kind of wrote this in here. It's like when you start a rebuild in 2021, I think you're you're looking 
to be in the playoffs in 2023. So you're punting this season. You've got next offseason. You're kind of punting that season. And then in 2023, you're here to, you're here to play. Yep. And we've said it before. We, you hear this from the analysts. You hear this from the dynasty experts. If you're, you're doing dynasty football wrong, if you're just kind of in that middle ground, if you're not ascending or you're not kind of in that top tier or you're not in that bottom tier, um, if you're kind of in what we call purgatory, you know, just kind of setting there. And, and we, we have um, a team or two that we, we're going to talk about and just kind of um, looking at kind of what, what they want to do and what, they, what decisions that they have. So obviously that's not, not somewhere that you want to find yourself. So I think a lot of teams try to avoid that and try to be on one side of it or another. But um, yeah, there's teams that kind of get into that purgatory and just don't know where to go and just spinning their tires. Yeah. So, all right. I think we've um, we've covered everything. A little disorganized, but we'll we'll kind of get better. We're not used to actually talking about like real strategy. We're just used to talking about our league mates. So what our teams do. The yeah, who won, who who lost, what what the teams look like. So yeah. so yeah, it's it's just kind of it's interesting to kind of talk about draft strategy, rebuild strategy, what a dynasty team looks like. So yeah, yeah. we're gonna if y'all. Uh, follow along um yeah give us a little bit to kind of find our groove in this but but it's just fun talking about and and yeah, yeah i appreciate the conversation well, and i am super excited for next week i mean to be able to talk about my team in a good light finally we did a podcast for a whole year in the first year of my rebuild and i was awful just so awful and Brent, like his team, was good. So we always had to talk positively about Brent's team and negatively about my team. Or we really didn't even talk about my team because we just knew that. We it just wasn't kind of good. knew that. Hey, this is this is what the result's going to yeah. be. This so, is a rebuild. You lost. Moving on. But again, like you're talking about, if you if you do the rebuild right, you're probably going to um, re- be really bad that first year. That first year or two, you might be kind of in the bottom tier mm-hmm. of the league. Well, you start a rebuild because you're bad. Yep. And then you and then you just try to get a little bit better each year from there. I'm excited to talk about my team because I mean, I was active in the twenty twenty draft, I was active this draft, and now I feel like we kind of talked about it, like Brent and Tyler and Mouth and Will are kind of at that top tier, and then you kind of have like me, Mike, and Nick kind of ascending up there, and then you kind of have Jarrett kind of sitting in this purgatory and John sitting in purgatory and then Ryan and Rob rebuilding at the bottom and my dad is just he's where is your dad? He's, <laughs> he should be last but he always makes the playoffs so I don't know where he is yeah so we'll get to him at a later time I don't know if we'll hit him on this in this series of kind of these first couple of episodes certainly but, won't be the rebuild episode but yes we it will might kind of be talk the, about what not to do for a dynasty football team episode <laughs> we, um, we love we love talking about him and all of his defenses yes yes just to <laughs> just to lose a playoff game because of his defense when he could have just played the guy who was already on his team so anyway We will see you guys next week. We're excited to hopefully bring you this kind of series and hopefully help somebody out in in creating their dynasty team. Yeah, talk to you later. See you guys.